This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today... Today, I'm so delighted to welcome Luisa Dolivera to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. Finally. 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 Yeah, we've been trying to make this happen since 2019. I kid you not. We've been trying to schedule this since the before times. Yes. Before the pandemic. (laughs) And I've been determined for a lot of reasons. Like how she has one of my favorite first day on set stories of all time. And I am going to ask Louisa to tell (laughs) when we begin. But the main reason is that Louisa is a phenomenal actress and human being with keen instincts, a sharp mind, and a big heart. She is loved around the world for her work as Amori on The Hundred, a role that positioned her as a disability advocate due to the grace with which her character navigated life as a person with a disability. Other highlights include The Good Wife, where she played a young lawyer going up against Juliana Margulies' character, to a a co-starring role as a detective on CBC's Cracked, a phenomenal arc on Motive, and a fantastic turn in a project that I am honored to be one of the few people on the planet to have experienced so far, so far, and that is Van City, a proof of concept from Brady Roberts and Krista Jang about the intertwined lives of 630-somethings trying to juggle what life throws at them while working in the local entertainment industry. The pilot that I was hashtag blessed enough to watch feature Louisa acting alongside Brady, Krista, Sachin Sahil, Ozark Chow, and Bethany Brown, playing an aspiring actress who moves to Vancouver to chase her dreams. It is so rad. I recognize every one of the archetypes and the potential for drama and comedy. Seriously, the world needs more Van City. So that's Louisa, the actress. But recently, Louisa has added another feather to her cap, book club maven. Louisa is the driving force behind the Feed Your Mind book club. Every month, the book club reads one nonfiction book. I love the concept and the tagline. Find the time, feed your mind. So today, let's talk about the many facets of Luisa Dolivera with the dynamo herself. Luisa the actress, Luisa the book club maven, Luisa the ex-science student, Luisa the disability advocate, Luisa with the great first day on set story, Luisa the podcast guest, 
Luisa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome to the Why We Are Screen Scene podcast. Thank you. What an incredible introduction. And now you must, you must tell your first day on set story. Okay. Because the question that led to this, so you told me the story when I was writing for The Westender and I wrote, you know, one of my kind of like signature origin story pieces. And I asked you one of my favorite questions, like, what was your first day on set like? Uh, what do you remember about it? What mistakes did you make? And <laughs> you told me one of my favorite stories. It ended up being like one of my favorite articles to write because you really, you pulled me in. I'm sorry for how big a setup that was. <laughs> but tell the story. Well, okay, now I really got to sell this. <laughs> it was, I was horrified listening to this story though, too. It was horrifying. Yeah. The drama. And you're young, too. Okay, so I... I finally, I booked my first job, which is a huge deal when you have nothing on your resume yeah. that's in the professional world where you get paid for it. Uh, it was a TV movie. I had one day on set. I had, I think, two scenes. Um, and I was so excited and I you know, show up to set and you don't know anything. You don't know where you're going. You don't even know what the layout of the trailers is gonna look like. So you, you find someone and they, Put you in your trailer and then you go well, there's my wardrobe put your wardrobe on go to hair and makeup everything's feeling really good um and so my first scene of the day i would be listening to music and cutting chopping vegetables and not paying attention to these kids i'm supposed to be babysitting and then they take off um bad babysitter bad babysitter <laughs> such a bad babysitter don't take this advice kids don't do this don't do what my character did um, so I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe it'll be like 10 minutes in the trailer and then I'll go to set, like who knows? So I'm listening to, I bring my headphones and I'm listening to all this like pump up music. So I'm super ready. Whenever they knock on that door, I'm like ready to go. I'm ready to act. I'm ready to act. <laughs> and I'm dancing in the trailer and, 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 and using all my energy and drinking coffee and ready, 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 ready. And then an hour goes by and then another hour goes by. And I'm thinking, I, I'm, th this is taking a little while. Maybe I should, maybe I should stop. No, 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 any second now. And think another hour goes by. Uh, but then I'm just getting tired, obviously, because I've been doing this for hours. So I just put everything aside and I'm like, maybe I should take a nap. What the heck is going on? And I continue to drink coffee to try and stay awake. And then I get coffee on myself. And I looked down and I, was, I can't remember the color of the shirt, but it was very visible. And I realized, oh, this is something you have to watch out for. So this was not just a little drop. No, this like was a, coffee this everywhere. Was a, I believe the term is a fuck ton of coffee. Uh, yes. I don't know if that must have been what I, I don't know what I said. But. <laughs> no, that's that's how I, that's. Visualize. I mean, yeah. If it's beyond a drop and it's your wardrobe, it's a fuck ton. Oh, it was, yeah. and it was quite scary so I run to wardrobe and I'm like what do I do and where like they must have a backup and they are looking at me like this is a tv movie and you're in for one day like you don't have a backup this is your shirt so then they break out all the tide pens and they're just looking at me like oh these actors like, <laughs> these movie actors don't know what they're doing so I now I've got you know I'm tired now I've got coffee all over my wardrobe somehow they fix it up and luckily they still don't call me to set for another two hours at least, I would say. So by this time I'm, you know, I'm 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 like I'm gonna put the iPod aside. Yeah. I'm gonna sit here and wait. 
because I don't know what's going on. You're ready to be the very bored babysitter. <laughs> yeah, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> She's not paying attention from exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they finally call me. I go to set and I, I, I got the energy back up, right? Well, I'm doing my thing and I'm chopping vegetables. That's what I'm doing while I'm listening to music and I'm getting really into it. And they're like, yeah, go for it. I have a real knife and real peppers and I'm just I don't even know if I told you this. Part. You know, I'm okay. like, I thought that was the end of the story. I'm like, oh my why gosh, is she she's, still talking? She's still talking. <laughs> okay, there's just a little. There's even more. There's a little more. So I, I this wasn't so terrible. I'm, I'm just chopping away, chopping away, chopping away, as they're rolling on the first take, and I'm so careless with it. They cut, luckily, before anything happened, but I realized. You're not paying attention to what you're chopping, Louisa. You just want this to look good for camera. And I all multiple times I almost like totally sliced my finger with this huge butcher knife. Um nothing happened. It was totally fine. But that was a really good lesson in like really pay attention to what you're doing. Really? Oh my God. It was so anyway, I learned a lot of <laughs> lessons in that first day. It was very educational. Oh my gosh. That's like, that is, you've got like a master's degree in how to be on set on that one day. Yeah. Had you, so have you ever like gotten injured? Like, again, like, or like spilled anything on yourself since then? Or you're like, my wardrobe is immaculate. Uh, no, I, I, for the most part, I've been really good, except one day on the hundred, I did get something right on the shirt, yeah. right in the middle. And I wasn't wearing my usual. 100 wardrobe which like that forgives everything, everything. I was gonna say like isn't if you're on the 100 like and you were out in the wilderness oh. or whatever it's it like just, it's fine just it blends adds to it. in yeah. it's just adding to the flavor of yeah. your 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 apocalyptic wardrobe no no I, this was in one of the later seasons we were in sanctum this other planet and I'm in pretty nice wardrobe um so I was it was like a blue a, a blue silk shirt no oh yes silk yes really like nice I don't know if it was actually silk, but it looked like silk, that texture. And I think it was probably our, you know, 11 or 12. We're all tired and tacos are going around as the hot snack. And normally I'm really good. Like I stay away from, I'm careful, right? Yeah. Especially if I know my coverage is coming up and I was tired and I was hungry and I knew they were covering me next, but I was like, ah, it'll be fine. It'll that, be you know fine. what? I gotta say like, that's not on you. That's on them, right? Like, cause that if it's the hot snack, that means like they have gone out of their way. You know, everybody's gonna eat it. This is your hot snack, tacos. Yeah, but also you know, they should have given you all bibs and stuff. That would have definitely. I mean, wardrobe would have appreciated that for sure. Yeah, they, you know, they made the mistake of assuming that we're adults and can handle ourselves. <laughs> When we clearly are children <laughs> who need babysitting. Oh my God. Uh, but not the kind of babysitting me. I provided on yeah. my different different have better babysitting. Wow. Way to circle back. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you yeah. for that. Um, Woo! We're off to a great start. I'm so happy. Louisa, uh, you know, I spent all that time talking about the many facets of you. And I know that that is just like a. You know, just like we all contain multitudes, right? You know, I that just scratched the surface. How do you. Describe yourself. Um, I I love to perform. I love to connect with people. I also like to kind of withdraw and like recharge. I guess. Yeah. Um, I love things that I love nonfiction reading, which is why I started that book club. But yeah. I, I I love like learning things um, and kind of 
challenging my thoughts to an extent and I, yeah. I find that very rewarding I really like I heard this one quote a long time ago um, which was oh do your best to learn from mistakes in life but yeah. no one said those mistakes had to be your own Ooh. right it's pretty good I mean obviously learn from your own mistakes of which we are all going to make many 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 mistakes in yeah. this life but <clears throat> to learn from the life experience of other people which is one of the reasons why I like to read about other people's lives. Wow. And it's so what what is so cool too is that we literally started the show today, you sharing a mistake that you've made, and everybody else gets to learn from it, right? Hey, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So wow. <laughs> that's I mean, that is that's like meta or something. Yeah. I don't even know what meta. I don't know what happened there. You know, talking about, you know, being a person who who can withdraw and, and um, you know, go into yourself. And like, I, I do, I love to do that too. I would say like, you know, I'm like 60% of the time, 65% even like I wanna be outgoing, but it takes a lot out of me, you know? And I do love to like, just like be on my own or be with my cats and my family and just like, you know, stay inside and not have to speak and whatever. Um, and the pandemic has been like really hard, it, you know, especially the early part where we didn't know what was happening and we were all staying home. And it, it took a, you know, the withdrawing became unhealthy, you know, and mm -hmm. it, I felt it's isolated to the point where it was like, it, it just, it, it took a toll on my mental health. How have you as somebody who, you know, do ha have that inclination navigated, you know, the isolation that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic? I mean, I think, <clears throat> I I think it, everyone needs both. Yeah. They need their their time alone, and then they need to connect with people too. So whenever you, that falls out of balance, you're going to see a cost that's yeah. incurred from that. Um, I I I need just needed to connect with people. I needed to call a friend or call my family or just talk to someone. You know. Yeah. Um, and you don't always realize when you're starting to sink into that place. Uh. It can take a while. Maybe even someone calls you out of the blue and suddenly you feel so much better afterwards. And you're like, oh, that's all I needed. I needed to talk to a friend for 30 minutes and now I'm good again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sane again. I, I had, I, I've gone to LA for pilot season many times in my career and I started to recognize the same pattern. First week, I was super pumped, like ready to go, let's do this. Second week, that energy started to wane. Third week, I was quite depressed. Yeah. and a big obviously it was because I was away from you know everything that kind of anchored me yeah and isolated and they're for a reason and they're for a purpose and they're temporarily yeah. but that aloneness without anything else filling the life yeah. with just a single purpose starts to take a toll and um, it, it took me many years to realize that was happening and that it was a pattern. Mm. So then I had to develop, oh, okay, you, you you just need to recognize this and stave it off a little bit by connecting with people. Yeah. Um, or if you're just there, then just accept it and like move through it. It's temporary, yeah. it'll go away. Yeah, okay. We're gonna go back in time okay. a little bit. Um, Cause that's what we do here. I'm basically like I, I'm behind the wheel of the DeLorean, and we're gonna do some time travel, and it's so fun. Like, where else can you do that? Well, I guess you're an actor. You can, you can do time travel everywhere. But anyway, doing it here today. Paint me a picture of who you were as a kid. Like, what kind of a kid were you? What did you watch on TV? What were you taking in from books? You know, like what hints were present in your childhood? that you'd end up 
in this particular life, the actor's life. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think as far as what I watched and read, it was pretty normal compared to what a lot of kids watch, you know, Power Rangers and Captain Planet and Berenstain Bears and, you know, kids stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, but I had this compulsion. Okay, so every Friday we would always watch a movie as a family. And then I would spend the next, I don't know how many dinners reenacting that movie we just watched to my oh. parents at the dinner table every, for probably at least a couple nights afterwards. And my poor parents who were so patient and would say things like, oh yes, that's yes, we watched it too. Yes, I, I remember, <laughs> yes, that happened. But they were so patient and just let me go on and on. But I would do it for years, I did that. Hmm. I just wanted to re-perform it out. But I was a kid, I, nobody knows what that means. And then when I was in elementary school, I, I said I wanted to be an actor. But again, looking back on it, I don't, take it all that seriously because there's only so many professions you know of as a kid. You know mm. of teachers and firefighters and actors and singers um, and whatever your parents do. That's yeah. kind of the extent, at least that I knew of when I was a kid. Um, so I picked one of those four or five and I thought, oh, this one. Yeah. Um, but then I also, whenever there was an opportunity to be on stage in elementary school, I always took it no matter what it was. And I had no fear about it, no fear at all. I, yeah. It was, It was just, felt very like breathing to me. Um, and were the other kids on stage with you? Did you see them experience fear or nerves? I don't recall Yeah. Um, one way or the other. I think I was just so happy to be there and was just so in the moment with whatever it was, yeah. whatever the performance was. It just felt very, it felt like home to me. It felt natural to me. Yeah, and well, I'm just asked that question because it's not natural for everybody. No, it's not, all, not. You know? and, and I get that because when I, for example, put me at a track meet or something, some kind of uh, athletic oh, competition, Lord. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like walking up the oh stairs, my, I'm like, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> just terror, the yeah. utter terror of being looked at alone and having to perform. I did, you know, track and field and I did the high jump and I, did some sprinting and I wasn't particularly good at any of it, but I was a bit taller. So I did things that the taller kids might do. Yeah. Um, I was utterly terrified, like just terrified. I used to play baseball and I would be so scared at the games to swing the bat that I just wouldn't swing. Mm -hmm. I would have to decide beforehand on this pitch, you are going to swing. Yeah. And then I would, no matter if it was a terrible pitch or not. So that, so I get that feeling of that, where it's something is so not natural, very paralyzing. Yeah. But for me, I never experienced that on stage. For whatever reason, that just felt good to me. It felt like home. It did. Yeah. Okay, so I know, because we've spoken about it before, and I actually referenced it in the in my intro, that you didn't go into acting right away. You didn't study acting right away. That you were actually a little bit of a science school dropout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you did you did one year as a science student, right? Yeah. So what was your what was your plan? You know, like so at some point you're like, okay, I'm not going to be an actor. I'm going to be like a science person. The way that I am with sports is also how I am with science. <laughs> I'm like a science person, a scientist, <laughs> or a doctor, or whatever. You know, but then you went into acting. So like, tell me about that little 
detour. Sure. Um, when I graduated high school, I, w I wanted to be an actress. Uh, that was decided. And then over that summer, had some conversations with my dad, with my parents, and they just, they were, con they didn't say too much about it, but I got the impression that sciences or something else would be a, maybe a more reliable, better thing to go into. And I also really, really liked science. I yeah. always have been very interested in science. Um, so it just seemed like a good idea to me. And I don't know if I thought it through very much. I t I, I've always kind of tended to just be like, this is interesting. Let's do this. I like this. I feel good. I'm going to do it. And science also felt good and interesting. And so yeah. I decided to, to do that. So I did my first year uh, in science, you know, chemistry, biology, um, calculus, all that really hard stuff. Big brain. I mean, <laughs> you, you think so, but there's a big jump from high school to college level. And I definitely felt that jump. Yeah. Um, and I remember failing my first midterm uh, in chemistry and looking at the grade on the paper and thinking, no, that's that's not right. I don't fail things. Like, I'm not a student who fails things. Mm -hmm. But I just, I mean, had I, in, had I decided to pursue it, I'm sure I could have applied myself a lot more and made it happen. Yeah. But I just, I started to feel so stifled because there wasn't any creativity at that level. There's yeah. so much you have to learn in science before you get to start to be creative. And I didn't realize how badly I needed to be creative. Mm. Like it, I just needed it to feel sane. And it didn't feel like home. It did not, it did not. I realized So you had that. to leave home to go into science for a bit to realize, no, I wanna be. Yeah, and so I don't blame any parents for being concerned about a path that their children wanna go on that, that you know is gonna have all these highs and lows. Yeah. And uh, your, you know, your kid with the rosy colored glasses on is not caring or not seeing them, um, which is kind of, I guess, the beauty of being that young and innocent in the yeah. ways of the world. And growing up yeah. and making mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, to kind of jump ahead to Van City then, mm -hmm. um, which, and I'll pop a link in the in the footnotes for to the episode that I did with Brady Roberts and Sasha Sahel, where they talk about, you know, talk about that project. It's about, it's about, you know, basically it's about actors, yeah. you know, <laughs> at different levels of their career. And, you know, your character, Sam, you know, is just arriving in town, you know, and is going to really be starting to, to carve out, you know, this, this tough life in, in this, in what can often be a harsh, but definitely rewarding industry. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to work on this project? And, you know, how much of, how much does Sam's journey that you know of, you know, that we've just seen in the proof of concept, you know, reflect your own? Well, first I was so excited because Krista Jang, one of the co-creators as well as actors on the show is a really good friend of mine. Um, so she first introduced me to the concept and what they had planned. Um, and with Sam, I, I just felt like, you know, whenever you're embarking on a new journey, you don't, there's a lot of fog around it, mm. especially if it's an industry that is more hidden, like the film industry is. You, The path is not totally clear. The, people take very different routes to get there. Um, so it, it can be really overwhelming and exciting and scary. Um, so I definitely, 
of course, connected to that. That's exactly what I went through and what I think all actors go through at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and then as you keep taking steps, all you can do is take a few steps forward, a few steps, a few steps, a few steps, and you start to see a little more of what's in front of you. Mm. Uh, and then hopefully you have people around you to support you along the way and help you learn. Um, but it was interesting being where I am now and then going back to that mindset that I was I in back then. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of a trip. You want to talk about time travel? Like yeah. That was a time travel trip, yeah. Yeah, what do you... Like, what do you want now from your career, from your artistic pursuits, you know, and how is it different than what you wanted when you were Sam, you know, when when you were just beginning in this industry, when you were spilling coffee on your tablet <laughs> yeah. and talk, well, no, tacos was later. Tacos was later. I should have known better at the tacos. As I was eating it, I thought, Louisa, Louisa, Louisa. What are you doing? And I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Last bite. Yeah. All, oil all over the shirt. It was the last bite. It was bite. the last bite. Oh. It was the last bite. So silly. I knew better, but I, <laughs> then I thought I knew better about the knowing better that I had. Um, intense, intense. Yeah. And what was the question? I oh, no. No it, no, it was about what you want now oh, versus what, want what you now. wanted at the beginning of your career. I mean, I think at the beginning of my career, I just wanted to book anything and prove that I belonged here yeah. and that I was here to learn and for to be here for the long run. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Um you, you're just kind of I was grateful for anything. Anything that was any opportunity that was thrown my way. Yeah. And now that I've been doing it for quite a long time, um I want I just want to work with great people. Mm. I want to be challenged with the work to a place where I'm comfortable um, because I do have strong feelings about I think it's important to take on work that challenges you but work that doesn't push you to a place of trauma mm. almost and everyone has their own relationship with that um, you know the hundred for example was a, it was a difficult show there was a lot of especially some characters you really you feel a lot and you put yourself personally through a lot to try and tell your character's story well and that stays with you yeah um so i think it's responsible to go into all, all new projects um with the idea in mind of what am i going to leave this with like what pieces mm. of this is going to stay with me and are these pieces that i'm happy to have and sometimes even say it's really dark material but you are willing to go there and you want to explore this side of yourself in a responsible way, then that's great. But everyone has to kind of come to their own decision about that. That's so fascinating, you know, because as a as a journalist, as a podcaster, I definitely have a trauma informed approach when, you know, speaking with people, especially if we're going to be talking about you know, heavy, heavy stuff, you know? And I I guess I haven't really thought about the perspective of as an actor, uh, like, taking a trauma-informed approach to material. Yeah, I mean, it's, and we're all different. Like some yeah. of us just like dive in, want to dive into the real nitty gritty, dark and dirty, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes maybe you've done that and it was wonderful and and you learned a lot and it pushed your boundaries and, but then you think, 
I, I don't want to necessarily do that mm. for a while. I want to break now. I want to explore some other stuff. Um, I did some uh, a movie recently this summer where the character has a cooking show and she's bubbly and bright. And, and there's there were some other much darker aspects in the movie as well. But the where the place this character sat naturally was yeah. very light, very happy, shiny, fun. And it was such a fun place to inhabit because that joy stays with you. Yeah. Like you take that home with you the same way you take struggle or pain home yeah, with you. Yeah, the darkness. Yeah. yeah. And you have to, you know, shake, shake them off. But that was just really fun. So I think, um, you know, if, if we're, if we have the, the opportunity to choose our own adventure, to yeah. choose adventures that are ones that you really are excited to take into yourself. Yeah. I'd like to stay with Omori then, or at least move move a little deeper into Omori. I mean, there's so much to to talk about there. I I remember, and I, I love how I'm acting. Like I remember, I reread the article today and had a joy, like <laughs> like being like, oh my gosh, I remember when I wrote this and how fun it was. Um, you know, but so the article reminded me, you know, how Amori doesn't see her disfigurement as a defect that needs to be corrected. And that, you know, that spawned the hashtag disabilities are not defects. And that trended. Mm -hmm. What did that that hashtag, that work mean to you? What did you learn about the daily lives of people with disabilities through your work on The Hundred? You know, and specifically the feedback that you received from viewers, because clearly that work mm -hmm. that meant something to people. If they're gonna, you know, send out that hashtag and make it go viral, I felt so um, grateful to have even been allowed that position to begin with. Yeah, um, because that's a very personal story, of mm. course, for everyone, and I think that anyone who has a disability or is different, or even just feels different. You know, mm. that's, everyone has their own unique struggle with that, journey with that. Um, uh, and it's not always one that's very visible. Mm. Like for some people, it might, it might be very visible and then they deal with that on a constant basis, which is one level of being taxed emotionally and then for some people if you if it's not seen like if you're dealing with say a chronic illness and to you it feels like a disability because it's constantly hampering your your capability in in everyday life oh yeah but people don't see it they don't look at you and see it so if you say i can't come out today they're like, why they don't people don't understand yeah. necessarily so i think there's it really helped me um connect to a lot of different people's struggle and journey and just to have people say to me how me playing this character has helped them in their own life and with mm. their own journey has been very emotional very such a such a blessing um because it's real like that's real that's yeah. so real for so many people um i just am really grateful for it you know yeah as far as the character of Amori. What does she mean to you? Especially as, you know, you 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 live this life where you are constantly, you know, uh, feeding your mind, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if you, I mean, you, there's a lot of, um, I see a lot of intent and purpose and, and thought. Where does she fit into all of it? 
I mean, I think Maury will always stay with me. Yeah. Um, I mean, she helped me explore the parts of myself where I have felt like I didn't fit in, mm. where I, which I think we all have felt to some degree at some point in our lives. But I've definitely experienced that. And it doesn't necessarily matter what you look like even for that. Like you can just socially feel like I, I don't belong here. What's yeah. wrong with me? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a part of this. I think, you know, I put a lot of myself in that character, whether I intended to or not. And I really wanted to tell that story truthfully. And I didn't even know what it was going to become when I started on the show. You know, so for me, it was also a, an incredible journey of just keep doing your thing, keep putting work that means something to you out there and people responding to it and producers and writers responding to it and continuing to write me in and finding room in the storyline as well where where my character would be useful. Mm. There were a lot of things that fell in line for that to happen. Um, so I think, I, I, I don't know, I mean, it's hard to sum up what she means to me and how she'll stay with me, but I, I, it, it's hard for me to imagine a role in the future that could supplant the place that she holds in my yeah. heart, you know? That's very special that you, I was gonna say that you have that relationship, but it's like she's another person oh and you're she, carrying her with you. But she is, but yeah. it's weird because I look at her and it's my face, but, yeah. it's, but she's her own person too, yeah. you know? Like I, when we wrapped, I wrote her a, a, like a, a love letter to her. You did? I did, and I put it on my my Instagram and I, I it was basically me, it was me, but also, Amori in the future writing a letter to the young her and oh, I took wow. a picture from the very first day on the show when she's in the desert and she's on her own and and feeling very isolated no one's on her side just yeah. she's got to look out long for before the tacos on oh the show. so long before <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful yeah. when you when you think about your experience on the hundred like are, are, do any special days come to mind or nights? I know there are a lot of nights, you know, or any special memories? Can you can you give us one of those? Sure. Near the end of filming um, in the final season, there was one day we were outside in the woods and they were taking a really long time to set up and it was going to be a big scene with everybody in it. And so a whole crew of us were sitting in a tent playing some game, some word game, I can't even remember. And... Uh, <laughs> It, it it was so it be, the the fever pitch of this game got so high that it sounded like a soccer match was happening. <laughs> like we, it, it was a word game. It was a word game. Like you, where you go through the alphabet and you're you have a category and the person has to come up with right. the next you know say it's like countries and you're on X and you're like I can't think of a country that starts with X. Which I, I can't right now. I don't know, but I really can't. I love that you know. said it because I was like, "What's a country that starts?" With no, this? I know. Can't exactly. Yeah. So, so you, and if but if someone's struggling and struggling and they manage to get it because you don't want it to break, right? You want the chain to keep yeah. going. Then we would all cheer and 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 the later some of the, the ads came by. We're like, what the hell are you guys doing here? Like you gotta keep it down. This is crazy. We're trying to make a TV show. Like, get it together, kids. Um, that was that was just a fun day. Um, the very last day filming. Hmm. Uh, I don't know why I made that sound, but I guess <laughs> I I just assume that there's it's going to be like a that there's going to be a lot of tear shed. That it's going to be an emotional day. Oh like, my gosh! 
and it wasn't ever like it was Richard and I, it was our last scene. We shot it and then it was the last setup. So we knew once we got this setup, that was it. Mm. And when they, they were checking it and when they said it was okay, it's good. Like the gate's clear. We, him and I just looked at each other and like the, what we just communicated in that moment. Yeah. Both, you know, trying to not cry and because we had just, we had spent six years telling our stories mm. of these characters together, not always with each other, but quite often with each other. And then yeah. in the end, the characters, you know, their final, the, the, the final story was with each other, right? Yeah. Um, so that was, that was just a very intense moment that is burned into my mind. Um, but there were so many, so many, it's hard to, you know, oh, <laughs> I have one. Uh, Adina Porter and J.R. Bourne, we were, and a couple of others of us, we were all sitting around and, um, you know, again, waiting. You spend so much time waiting. You're just waiting and you're trying to keep your energy. There's up. so much waiting. I don't think I realized that until I like I didn't realize that until I started going, you know, on set visits to do interviews. And I'm like, OK, it's like I know there's always something happening, but there isn't always something happening. <laughs> no. Oh, no. And, and I think people are, oh, I want to go on a, on a film set or a TV set. It'll be so exciting. And they get there and like, this is the bo most boring thing I've ever seen. It's, it's super bit, exciting yeah. for a short period of time. And then it's very boring yeah. while you wait around. Um, you just got to find ways to entertain yourself. Or Spilling coffee on yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens when you're not finding productive things. <laughs> to do, right? So I think I put on some, I don't know, we were listening to music on, you know, on low, on someone's phone and and then um it was some really good song i can't remember what it was and and adina starts dancing and jr starts dancing and a bunch of us just got up just in this moment and just let the joy out you know and yeah. that was there was a lot of little impromptu moments like that yeah the when the show was over and you'd written your letter uh to say goodbye um did, did you grieve like was it was there a was it a loss? Oh yeah, I mean, it was definitely a loss, but it was it was like a more of a farewell, mm. you know, because and we knew the show was ending. We knew it was the final season, hundred episodes of the hundred. It was like a very poetic yeah. end. Um, we wrapped filming March of twenty twenty. My last day was Friday the thirteenth. Uh, the whole world is shutting down around us. We're like, of course, we're going out as this like this po our po post apocalyptic show is ending in the middle of it. Oh, on the day, on the day, on You're the day. You're so lucky that was the day, because <laughs> if you hadn't gotten everything that was needed, oh yeah, then we would have been. They wouldn't have had a final season. Yeah. Um. They they pulled. They were supposed to shoot the next week, but they actually pulled everything over the weekend. They're like condensed it. They're like, if we don't get it, they they just knew. They're like, they if we knew. don't get it now, this is not happening. So they, they oh yeah, it was wild. Rap party canceled, like everything canceled. Just so that sucked because we didn't get to say goodbye. Like, that's t 
tough though because like we do the like even you know in somebody's life somebody passes we have these rituals you know or even you end school and then you have graduation not having that 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 impact and then not having that and then being in basically like an apocalypse i mean not quite but you know we didn't know at that point just think about what what we were hearing what we were seeing was before the vaccines right like it was totally different kind of kind of world you know like did that impact like the experience of of saying goodbye um yeah i mean i'm sure it did i don't know what it would look like without that but it was kind of you know a lot on that show uh was as it is probably on most shows you just surrender you just got to surrender to the process surrender mm. to the limitations that you're working with um and then just do your best with that so that was just required the same thing there's, surrendering yeah, yeah there's nothing you can do about this this is so so you just process it in the best way that yeah. you're able to with what you're given at that time and it was okay it, it, there was definitely a grieving for all of us yeah um a, as one would after any show um but you know i'm sure people want to know the fans want to know you know are are, are y'all still friends do you still see each other oh, yeah. is there like a text thread you know like <laughs> <laughs> i definitely see i definitely see them here and there yeah um i mean whether it's working together or going on a hike or because there's a bunch of us who live in the city yeah um helping each other we help each other with auditions often too we'll read with each other uh it's yeah for sure i mean gotten close with a lot of these people so and a lot unfortunately some of us just we aren't in the same city so there's only so much you can you can chat but you don't keep in touch often in the same way but um yeah a lot of them i've kept in touch with quite a few yeah and that speaks to just like how good the vibe was and Mm -hmm. you know the kind of the lightning in the bottle of everybody being together and the experience going through because it was very it was a difficult show to shoot so doing that together definitely bonds you doing anything together that's difficult bonds you absolutely absolutely um you know when i introduced you i listed off some very well received critically acclaimed fan favorite crime procedurals Uh, how does working in that particular genre compared to you know this like sci-fi fantastical (laughs) spectacle you know from from an actor's perspective um there's different things you have to serve so in a procedural you really have to serve the case of the week which is usually the format yeah and your role in forwarding that and helping the audience come to like put the pieces together with you you're not just giving them information you're helping them kind of be the detective as well yeah so there's that whole level you have to keep in mind along with the professionalism of your character Mm. so those are just the kind of the requirements that i think of that are necessary and then you can find your space to play yeah um with sci-fi i mean you're in some fantastical world and there's definitely certain amounts of exposition that you have to deliver to explain what was going on because it's not necessarily innately understood because it's a totally different yeah, world. world building. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, if you get the exposition lines where you're explaining this or explaining that, one, you better make sure you, you got them right because you want them to make sense. Yep. <laughs> and then two, you know, finding the space to play 
within that without over without making what say I want to do for my character. You can't make that more important than serving the story, um, of forwarding the plot in that moment. Yeah. But then you know you're you're given opportunities to then go ham on whatever emotionally is going on with your character because then that comes before or later or whatever. So so kind of figuring out what's required at the different time. Yeah. But definitely, in, I have, at least in the 100, I got to do so much emotionally uh, that in some procedurals, you don't go there quite as often. Yeah. Um, you just live in a different space. Okay, let's stay in that space for a bit then. Is it, because I've seen all of these in your filmography, what is the most fun? Being a criminal, being a crime victim, or being a detective? <laughs> That definitely depends on the actor and the mood that you're in at the time. Mm. Um, playing a criminal is obviously very fun because that's sort of a darker place where most people don't live. I love how big your eyes got so big too. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> that's fun. It's delicious. <laughs> you get to create. There's, there's more. I mean, you can. There are less limitations. I feel like. Yeah. Um, I really also like playing a detective though quite yeah. a bit because you. There's such a attention to thought process that you have to have when you're playing a detective. You have to, sh and it's difficult. You always have to think about what are the do what are the pieces that I'm seeing? How am I connecting them? And how do I communicate that? Yeah. Without words often, without words. I have to show the audience this so that they can follow these dots got, as well. Got a cool slash weird job. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, so they're fun in different ways. Yeah. yeah. Of all the roles that you've played, which one is closest to who you are? And which one is farthest away? Um, I think Amori is closest to who I am just because I lived with her the longest, yeah. put the most of myself in her. Um, I can definitely relate to a lot of the pieces of her journey that she went through. Yeah. Um, and I think they're pretty... I think everyone can, you know, feeling not accepted, then finding acceptance and being afraid of it, mm. being wary of it. Can I trust it? Um, finding love and not knowing how to do it, not knowing yeah. how to function, uh, which is something that we all have to learn. Mm. And um, also then starting to step into a role of leadership and not knowing how to do that. Do how do I do this well? Yeah. How do I make sure my own how do I separate the pieces, the things that I want to help other people in this leadership role versus the pieces that I want that I just kind of want for me? Because yeah. those things can get confusing, I think. And I think being a really good leader is very, very difficult. The more I live in life and see people leading and leading well, the more I realize how hard that job is and often how thankless mm. that job is. Because a lot of the time we only see the accolades, we see the position, we see, oh, it must like, yeah, but look at them up there. But we don't necessarily see how much responsibility is sitting mm. on their shoulders, how much work, constant work that they're putting into everything and all the things they're thinking of and all the things they're silently balancing to make sure that things go well. Um, 
But yeah, there was just a lot about Amori's journey that I, I really connected to for sure. Yeah. yeah. So then looking at your filmography, like what are the ones that are just so far away? Far away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, uh, when I did uh, Supergirl, that character, I mean, she was a like a villainous, super anti-hero, you know? Yeah. Um, can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> but it was super fun to go there, super fun to play. Um, on Motive, Maria Snow. Maria Snow. <laughs> I loved playing her. Yeah. Man. But I definitely had to dig for that one. Um, she so she was a character who was in a very powerful position, had worked her way into a very powerful position in this company with this family, was now deeply personally tied to them. Yeah. Um, but had alternate motives, very deep trauma-based alternate motives the whole time, and was on a serious mission, like like a consuming mission in life to right a wrong that was done to uh, her family. Um, so I don't, I don't particularly know that personally, but it was sure a fun place to explore. Oh, yeah. From the brain of regular guests on the podcast, Dennis Heaton. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> don't know what man. goes on in that brain oh, of his. Oh, wonderful guy. So good. <laughs> the best human. Mm. What is a type of role that you haven't played yet? Like maybe an archetype or maybe some beats or maybe even a genre that you haven't played yet that you yearn to play. I haven't done a ton of comedy, but I really like comedy. I could see, like I would, it makes sense to me. Yeah. You should be in the comedy uh, sphere. Totally, yeah, I agree. I, I, it's really fun, I enjoy it. Um, and I also, like I was, like that role I, I did in the summer that was really light and fun. Yeah. And I, I wanna keep exploring that space. That's, it's just a super fun place to play around in. And yeah, um, you know, I. I Maria Snow, Amori. Uh, I've played a lot of characters that have quite a lot of heaviness, mm. quite a lot of trauma, and and they've been really wonderful and very rewarding to play. Yeah. Um, but I I, I kind of want to do some of the other other stuff too. Yeah, you know, you know? casting people, producers, like give. give Give Louise a little bit of a break, okay? Yeah. Like, you know, she's so funny. And, you know, like, she's delivered so much heaviness, you know, like, now, like, you know, give her something nice to, like, you know, s sit yeah. in. Some something fun. Something frothy. Something frothy. Something frothy. bubbly. <laughs> something sparkly. You can absolutely do all of that. Although, I do enjoy watching you <laughs> just suffer <laughs> it's fine. I, mean, also, I mean it's cathartic too like don't get me wrong it's it's really fun to oh, go into I those bet. places i bet you leave and you're like i feel like i just did the equivalent of three months of therapy yeah or possibly i might need to add on one to deal with what i just went through but you know what it, it's still it, it yeah, averages it's like out. an abacus you know <laughs> one side here one side there yeah so where the hell does the book club fit into everything oh, who knows <laughs> <laughs> okay first of all like what is your relationship with books like going into the book club the feed your mind book club mm. you know what is your how would you characterize your relationship with books i love reading i love reading nonfiction books yeah uh, i've always gravitated towards them i i loved science like I, I like learning things um and i like hearing people's who are much smarter than me hearing yeah. their takes on certain things hearing them break down their area of expertise yeah uh 
I have a problem with accountability when it comes to reading. I have all these partially finished books. Man, are- every year I start the Goodreads, the Goodreads challenge or like how many books do you, and I, I literally went to university to study English literature just cause I love to read, you know, but mm-hmm. over time, and it was like, for me, it was like, it was fiction. You know, I just wanted to go to university and read books, follow other people's stories. And yet over time, like it's hard to, carve out the time and even just the way that these things this I'm holding up my phone these things have changed you know how we you know take in information and connect to current events and all that kind of stuff like you know I have had a hard time I'm just scrolling back up to the log line you know finding the time to feed my mind yeah oh totally I mean I think that's the that's the tough thing about it is we always think oh I'll get to it I'll get to it I'll get to it later but I I think our phones and like you were saying the way that we consume information I think it's rewired our brains big time our our minds they want to consume that we want more there needs to be more coming in not just a very focused stream of information because uh, I, I used to be an incredible reader and I still am like I, I've especially gotten it back doing this book club but it's been a lot harder yeah. it's been a lot harder than it used to be at what point were you like I'm going to become a book club maven and I, I'll admit I'm the one that gave you that specific <laughs> that's title. not a self-styled yeah. I don't call no. myself a book club maven but like, I like it I appreciate yeah. it <laughs> I, I I have a my relationship with social media has been a little fraught. I don't feel, didn't feel totally comfortable with it, with putting myself out there. Yeah. Um, I've I've always been guarded to a certain extent. It's sort of like I have. It's like you're everyone's welcome up to here. Yeah. To this little. If you can't see me, but I'm holding like my hand out a foot out in front of me. But then in between there, that's no that's one. Mine. Right. Yeah. Yes. There's like a little safe bubble around. And so I've always been very wary of social media um, for that reason and for a lot of reasons as well. Like, uh, and I just, I wanted to do something with it that made me happy, that I felt would be productive and positive. And also just that made sense for me that not to, to try and do something that other people do really well and try and recreate what they do but i'm like yeah. well, what do i like though what am i interested in and i and i but i'm really interested and always have been in reading nonfiction books and in particular because i've all some of the greatest growth i've had as a person has come from reading nonfiction books hmm. because i get these interesting ideas and i start to apply them to my life that's always kind of what i've done yeah so I, i'll read a book draw something from it and then look at my own life and shift things around or see mm. things a bit different, which in turn makes me activate different. Yeah. And that's just kind of been a process that's sort of been running in the background for me in my life. So I thought maybe I can take this and turn it into something like a, like a structure that helps other people do the same thing and also helps me be accountable because I have, like I said, I have all these books that are partially finished because I I know I'm just on my time and I can read it whenever. Yeah. But so anyway, I thought I'll do a book club, nonfiction books. And then it's funny, as soon as I carved out that space in my mind of this is what I want to do, instantly things came. Find the time, feed your mind. Like that was instantly yeah. appeared. Uh, we say expand the way you see the world and ex- or and or expand the way you see yourself. That's the purpose oh, of wow. this. Oh, wow, yeah. And it was like, it was like, it just, what was there 
came to the surface. Like yeah. I, don't, I didn't even necessarily feel like I was behind the wheel of it. It just came so clearly to me. Yeah. And then I thought, all right, well, I'm, I'm gonna have some fun with this, with these videos that I'm putting out. So the first couple of videos were, were fun. And I think um, the very first one, when I introduced the book, I <laughs> pretended I was, I was like in Mission Impossible and I was giving um, Ethan Hunt his mission, <laughs> right? The mission, <laughs> should you choose to accept it, is to read this book by this time, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Uh, and I just said, I'm just gonna have fun. And I felt like I was back in high school in my editing room that we had back then with a the terrible program that always ate your project and you had to start from the beginning. Oh, <laughs> right? Yes. The horror, the horror of, I just put 25 hours into this and it's gone. Um, I mean, I didn't, luckily I didn't have to do that with this time, but uh, it was just so fun and it just felt so good. It felt so good. And I thought, I don't know who's gonna be interested in this. I'm just gonna put it out there on my on my Instagram and see, and people were into it. Yeah. So now we did six months, uh, a book a month, just on my Instagram, and now I've uh, moved it over to its own account, yeah. Feed Your Mind Book Club uh, on Instagram, so that people who are interested in, in a book club like, like this can follow, and they don't have to deal with anything that I post about myself, because maybe they don't know who I am or care, and that's cool, that's totally cool. Like, it's cool that people will find you through the book club. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure how many people came from me, and knowing my work or people who came from just hearing about the book clubs. I love that. Yeah, but like I wanted, I just wanted to be a space for that too. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of criteria then does a book need to meet in order to be considered for your book club? Uh, I think it needs to be broadly applicable. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want it to just be interesting to a small group of people. Yeah. Uh, I, w I would like everyone to be able to get something out of it. A book that has been decently received. So I'll, I'll take a look at what other people, if there's a lot of reviews and what people are kind of saying about it. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't, I, if people are gonna trust me and invest their time in a book, I don't wanna pick a total dud that everyone has either struggles to get through yeah. or, um, which <laughs> one of the books I picked, <laughs> The Black Swan, uh, was so hard to read. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I've, I, I, I apologized afterwards. I said, I'm so sorry like that I pushed you all to read this. Yet it was also a really, like we got a lot out of it. Yeah. Even and some of it was like, I totally disagree with that. I don't even know what you're saying in this part, but the stuff that did connect and I did understand or that we all did understand that we really hit. So yeah. it, that book was an interesting one. It definitely, people had feelings about it, which is great. Yeah, I mean, it's making me also realize like, you know, the, the kind of work that Oprah did, you know, vetting all the books and stuff. It's a huge responsibility. It's, well, yeah, totally, because yeah. people trust you, you know? Yeah. And I, I kind of be, I'm a little loosey-goosey, I guess, with my choosing in the sense of I just, maybe this is how I do a lot of things. I, I'll just start browsing around and I'll see what feels good. Looking for vibes. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling out for vibes, <laughs> right? And I'm like, I don't know about this book. Just It's just like something about it. I feel like I'm, I need to check this one out. So I'll get the preview and I'll read a little bit. And then I'll kind of know whether or not based on the writing. I get it. It's about vibes. It's about vibes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what's the book for right now? So right now, oh my gosh. It's an amazing book. Okay. It's called Endurance. It's the very first like adventure book 
true story book that we've read. Oh, wow. It's by a man named Alfred Lansing. So he wrote it in the 50s about an expedition to Antarctica that left England in 1914. And they the goal was to be the first group to cross Antarctica over land. No one had done that before. It was led by a man named Shaka. In 1914? 1914, okay. So World War II was about to break out. They World War One. Oh, sorry, World War One. That's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, um, they almost held off the expedition because of it, and they were gonna put all their resources towards the war, uh, but they were given the green light, say, no, this is important, go ahead. Do do what you had planned to do. You've been working towards this, just go do it. This uh, this expedition, uh, so, so Shackleton had already done multiple uh, explorations already to yeah. Antarctica, uh, to the South Pole. All, you know, he, he had done quite a bit. Yeah. He wanted to be the first at something. He hadn't been the first at anything yet, even though he had tried. So this was going to be his first. And he was a, ex known as an extraordinary leader that people just rallied behind. Um, but R rough terrain. Oh, man. So in 1914, they didn't have all the little heat warmers and things. You oh, know, no. You oh, on your no. boots and stuff. And <laughs> reading this book, you realize what babies we are. I'm we such are a baby. Babies. Just <laughs> pathetic babies. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> These guys were so tough. Man. Um, but the, the, the book is not about this, a successful expedition across Antarctica. The book is about an utterly failed expedition hmm. and how they somehow endured, got, endured, <laughs> endured. And the, the ship was called the Endurance, which yeah. is very fitting. It is it is so amazing. This yeah. book, I could not I could not put it down. Once, you, especially once you get to a certain part in the book, I won't spoil it except like. It's just an extraordinary story of strength and perseverance and suffering and uh, uh, skills, the skills that they had to just handle what came at them. Yeah. I'll, I'll just tell you, they so their ship got locked in the ice and they had to winter on the ship in Antar Antarctica. Winter? Yeah. And then the ship gets crushed and now they're living on the ice flows in Antarctica. So that's part of the story. Okay. It, it's it's extraordinary. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, I'm so freezing all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm so freezing. Um, amazing. So I will put, I'll pop all the information uh, about that book mm -hmm. uh, and also link to, you know, the uh, Instagram page, you know, for the book. Everything's going to be in Perfect. the footnotes uh, for this episode, including that first article that I wrote about you <laughs> a long, long time ago. It was 2016. That's crazy. Yeah, I can't so, wait to go back and read it. Yeah. Yeah, I had a great time because I, I, I don't obviously I'm, I was telling you before we start recording, like, you know, newspapers, community newspapers barely exist, you know, anywhere anymore, but especially in Vancouver. And, you know, so I don't really write as much. And it was just so nice to go back and to remember not just the conversation we had, but how much fun it was for me to write that. Because, like, I remember leaving that interview. I think we met for coffee somewhere. Yeah, and I was walking yeah. I'm like oh my God, like I am going to like the first half is just going to be all about, all about that coffee stain. Because <laughs> the way you told it too, because you're funny. As I'm trying to, we're trying to tell producers and casting people, right. directors, like you're funny. I know, I'm trying to tell them too. I'm, yeah. I can be funny. Yeah, so funny. Yeah, thank so you. Funny. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> um, I, I don't even, I don't even know. What do you, th what do you think? you know little you when you know that little kid who was doing the 
the the elementary school plays and you know had no fear you know on on stage you know at when you're performing what do you think that she would think of the life that you have built for yourself i think she'd be so excited to know that's what's coming yeah i think she would also be proud of the kinds of things she would overcome yeah. or the the struggles that she would have. I think it, I mean, it's interesting. I I have this, you want to talk about time traveling. I've, I've always kind of like, I think about things in time mm. sometimes where, especially say if I'm struggling, I often get the thought, I know that this is so horrible now but it's not going to feel like this in a month and it's not going to feel like this in a year. Yeah. And if I can just hold on to what I know it will be in the future, mm. then I can get past how it, acute it is right now. Or with a less maybe difficult thing where I'm just trying to achieve, you know, career success. I I remember thinking early on I remember the first time I had the thought, I might be on a series one day. Mm. Like I don't know it now, but I might be. And what's that going to be like? That That's possible. And what will it be like to be there looking back on me now mm. thinking, oh, you had no idea what was coming, but it was coming for you. Just don't just keep going and learn your lessons that your that life is giving you and stay positive as best you can and work hard because yeah. it, it, it's coming for you. Thinking about things in a time travely way has always kind of helped me get some perspective and look ahead or look back in a positive way um so i yeah i i guess that maybe that's what i would if i was a kid i would just she'd be proud she'd be excited yeah yeah well i hope that you will no i'm not going to say i hope i've seen the future and it's you coming back to talk to us at the Wavira Screen Scene Podcast. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Do you like how I did that? <laughs> I like it. Nicely done. That's podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Luisa Dolivera, where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the socials? I'm mostly active on Instagram at Luisa Dolivera, as well as on the at Feed Your Mind Book Club. Um, those two places. I'll, I basically just put all my updates there. And I have two movies that will be coming out at some point. I don't know when or on where, but I will let everyone know once I have more info on those. Yeah. So smash that follow button. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it weird that I'm really hungry for tacos now? Uh, no, that's just, well, tacos are delicious, so yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, I'll, I'll, just wear, I'll just wear a bib. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Louisa. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you, listeners. Thank you for joining us today. This was, this was a long time in the making, this episode, since 2019, and it was, uh, I think it delivered. I think it did. All right. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. You can find us at YVRScreenScene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon, whatever that is, at YVRScreenScene and at Sabrina Arnf. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Rani Mera Furminger. I am the only one to blame. And it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane Not Furminger Devilay. Poor Not Furminger Dane. Poor only because you're not a Furminger, but honestly, you're an honorary Furminger. I appreciate you. 
and your original music very much. Wabir Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, Visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.